Welcome back to the Challenger and Icon interview series. Today we're really pleased to be with a favourite Challenger brand in New York's iconic Blacktail Bar. Ben Branson is the founder of Seedlip, a nature company and the world's first non-alcoholic spirit brand. Ben built his career as a brand and design strategist, going on to form his own agency in London, where he spent most of his time working with drinks clients. He left agency life in 2015 to start his own brand and answer the question, what to drink when you're not drinking? Seedlip was born, and with the first thousand bottles sold out in three weeks, the second thousand bottles in just three days, and the third thousand in just three hours online, it's safe to say the brand was an instant hit. The brand has helped create a global non-alcoholic spirits category and is now stocked in more than 3,000 accounts worldwide. A keen naturalist and design expert, Ben was named as one of the top 50 most influential people in food and drink by The Telegraph and awarded Young Achiever of the Year by The Drinks Business. So, welcome Ben. Thanks, thanks for being with us today. What came first, the product or the brand? I think it was, a, it was sort of a, a bit of both. I mean, I, my, given my career kind of in design, that was definitely a natural place to start of wanting to write a brief and wanting to get stuck into kind of bottles and what is it going to look like. Um, but it had to come from what was something, a liquid, a drink, an experience that was going to solve the problem. And I guess the brand is kind of the expression and uh, as I see it the kind of the front face and the expression of the liquid and of what we put in the bottle um, and so from you know looking into old kind of herbal remedies and wanting to grow mm. interesting things at home and slightly bored with kind of growing mint and dill and rosemary um, yeah, as a great lover of natural history, it was a great opportunity. I just sort of was looking around on the internet and kind of going down the rabbit hole of this world of botany. And to come across uh, a copy of a book that someone had scanned in online, it was a book about distillation, a book mm. about remedies and ingredients and apothecaries. Uh, and to see that kind of these guys were distilling alcohol remedies and non-alcohol remedies, uh, you know, using copper stills, using, you know, much like, much like here, how we make vodka, gin, whiskey. Um, but in the non-alcoholic sense, what I found kind of fascinating. Um, and the fact that you don't need a license to then do that at home. And I love arts and crafts. And so being able to kind of play around with it at home, um, and just experiment and very naively with no ambition and no goal in mind, just sort of play around with stuff that I had in the garden. Um, and to now, you know, we now own a copy of that book from mm. 1664, which is, is awesome. So I, I kind of feel like it was, it was a bit, you know, ingredient led and nature led. Mm. And then it morphed into being, oh my God, I do not want another sweet, sugary, horrible mocktail. 
you know, if you're out for dinner on a Monday night and not drinking. Um, and then it was, well, then how do we bring that to life in a really positive way that where it doesn't feel like a compromise? Um, and so, yeah, I guess right through from the liquid to the brand, mm. it's been about quality and credibility and, and something that feels good in the hand and looks good on shelf. I know nature is an important word for you. And I, I've, I've heard you talk about C-Lip as a, as a nature company rather than a drinks company. Can, can you talk more about that? What, what, what does that mean for you and the brand? I kind of, I think when I was, you know, it took two years to create Seedlip. Mm. And in that time, and continually just being an absolute kind of sponge to learning. And, you know, the drinks industry is a whole industry to learn about. And there's both from how it works as business models, um, how it works operationally, um, how it works in bars, restaurants versus shops, how tax systems work. You know, there's a there's a whole industry to learn. And I wanted to kind of uncover and learn about, you know, what margin does a bar want to make? What margin does a retailer want to make? What are people prepared to pay for? What price are things at? What does a bottle cost? What does a label cost? You know, so much to learn. And I, I you know, chose to do it on my own. And so that was a lot for me to learn. Um, but I, I guess I, I then looked into, okay, well, what about brands? What about drinks brands? What are they saying to people? How do they communicate? What do they look like? And even just looking at Instagram and looking at Instagram profiles of drinks brands, it felt to me like they were just drinks, drinks, drinks. Here's another picture of a drink. Here's a mm. different drink. And it felt quite one dimensional. And I kind of, I kind of sort of believe that, well, people, do people really care about the drinks brands? And do people really, you know, are you going to go out to drink a specific named cocktail or named drinks brand? Aren't people just going out to have a good time and, and don't people just want to have a good time? And therefore, how could we connect with them on a different level? How could we be more than just our products and more than just drinks and I guess, you know, you look, or certainly brands that have been, you know, brilliant inspirations to me, um, you know, the worlds of sort of, you know, even the apples and, you know, for right or for wrong, Coca-Colas, Levi's, mm. um, you know, they've transcended their products. And uh, I love nature and I, I thought that it's a great way of linking our produce, our ingredients, our kind of focus on quality and sourcing the best ingredients. And also with a kind of really rich, diverse area that can everybody at any age in any place in the world can connect to in some way. That's precious, that's mm. unpredictable, that's wonderful, genius, you know, uh, all just such a wonderfully rich, diverse area. Um, and then also as a company and, and how we do things as a business, you know, being a nature company informs who we attract, you know, that wants to kind of work at Seedlip. It informs what we do as a company together. It informs how we think about uh, what we design, what we create, how we bring an event to life. 
who we work with. Um, you know, Seedlip sold in some of the most wonderful garden centers in the world. Mm. And I don't think that's because we're a, a non-alcoholic product. It's because we've got this nature focus. So it helps with partnerships, it helps with mm. publications that we can, you know, be featured in. It's 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 been a wonderful passport into just opening up the world of it just not being about drinks. So it sounds like that focus on nature has been a big part of, of you um, as a challenger. And, 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 and I'm interested in that whole kind of, um, that mindset of challenger because you've, you know, you've come in, you've, you've, you've disrupted the drinks category, you've created, effectively you've created a new category, you're changing behavior. You've, um, you've even, I think, started to become something of an icon within the world of non-alcoholic spirits. What does it mean for you to be a challenger in the drinks market? Is that how you see yourself? Is that how you see the brand? Given that, um, you know, you're my father, you know firsthand that I haven't necessarily always done the conventional things. <laughs> True. And, <laughs> um, and that I, I'm continually curious and I, and I guess it, it it comes, our, I guess our, us as a challenger brand definitely mm. is born out of, we don't think how we do it is because we think that's a better way of doing it mm. or because we think we know best. We do it out of kind of this just wonderful naivety, I think, of do we have to do it like that? And just because vodka does it like that or gin does it like that or whiskey does it like mm. that does that mean we have to and so making sure that we can have that kind of freedom mm. um and that means we get it wrong and you know we try stuff and um but because we you know we're the first people doing this there isn't a rule book and there isn't a a load of benchmarks and there isn't a category that's established which has its own set of kind of rules and principles um, and so that does mean that we get to kind of push and pull in different areas that challenge the norms um, and certainly against the alcohol space you know you, you won't find many alcohol brands being able to put a bar up after a yoga event for example mm, yeah. um, or serving drinks to people you know at 6 30 in the morning listening to dance music sailing down the you know the thames uh with 300 people who instead of going to the gym are coming to kind of go for a rave where alcohol's obviously not there before mm. they go to work um and so it it i guess challenging uh how you market a brand um versus alcohol um obviously versus soft drinks challenging you know being served in wonderful bars and with fantastic bartenders and cocktails and fine dining and um, challenges sort of the world of soft drinks mm. um, and then not being a I guess a typical drinks company and talking about nature and talking about peas and our ingredients and um, the events that we choose it's sort of and I, and I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not all a master plan it's not sort of going oh we're gonna challenge this um it's just having that sense of freedom of 
but we're doing something new that's never been done. So why can't we try it this way? Let's Does see. that use that use the word naivety, mm. which I, I can imagine is a is, is is great as a challenger because you come in and question everything as you're evolving and you're now three years into the journey. Mm. But how do you how do you keep that naivety? Does that does that still inform your approach? I mean, it, a simple answer is that I keep having stupid ideas. So. <laughs> um, you know, building, a, you know, we're building this uh, experimental plant nursery yeah. up on the farm and um, we're not building a traditional distillery and we've got a head of horticulture. Mm. Um, I don't know another, you know, drinks company that has a head of horticulture. Mm. Um, I don't know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have a wonderful team that, you know, has grown from, you know, me in my kitchen to 65 of us now across seven countries. Mm. And, and that means that I am afforded the wonderful opportunity to be able to think and live one to three years out, um, which is really important, I think, for when we're trying to lead a category, lead a movement. Mm. That means we have to, we want to stay ahead and we have a responsibility to drive things forward um, with the utmost kind of care and quality and consideration of the category that we're building. You, you touch on the, the, the global local. I just wanted to explore that a bit further because, um, you know, I think you're now in something like 12 different markets. You're, you know, you're becoming, you are a global brand. Um, you have a certain provenance because you are from your British brand in, 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 in many ways. How, how are you managing that dynamic? I mean, is, is, is provenance becoming more important? How does, that, how does it work for I you? Guess, I, I think we are a British brand and we've got very strong English roots, mm. but we have a proposition that is universal. Um, we're solving a dilemma that is not country specific mm. and not provenance specific in terms of it being for a particular audience in a particular country. Um, and again, and then this is all happening extremely quickly. So it's another balancing act of where do we go? How fast? Mm. How big? Um, it's constant tension, which I've just, I'm learning that actually having that tension uh, is really important and that it's it's mm. not all easy, it's not all hard, it's not all black, it's not all white. It's mm. just, you've got to live with, with that unknown and slight uncomfortable and it to feel slightly strained. And um, yeah, I, I, that's where I feel like we do our best work, you know, when it's, it's just slightly up against mm. it. And what has it been like, because we're sitting here in New York, mm. What's it been like? And I know the US is a key market for you. What's, what's it been like launching the brand and building the brand in the US? I mean, has that brought with it any particular challenges that you've not had elsewhere? Uh, I mean, the US is massive. Yeah. Um, we, we deliberately came early. So the, the, I guess the, the school of thought in Europe is 
you don't go to the US with the drinks company probably until year three, four, five. You don't go without a significant amount of money, uh, millions of dollars. Mm. Um, and we started getting a lot of demand from the US pretty early, consumer demand. You know, people buying bottles of Seedlip from our website and paying for the shipping and have, wanting it over in the US. And we've never gone anywhere where we've not had any demand. So that's been a key learning for us and consumer demand, not just bartenders, mm. real consumer demand. Um, and so we came to the US kind of, you know, a year after we launched and coming to the US, we didn't come with millions of dollars. We came because I got on a flight uh, and we started working in LA and in San Francisco. We had a couple of bartenders who were doing sort of a day a week for us, but all very, very softly, softly. So yeah, we're looking at both coasts. We've got whole time zone differences. Um, it's a, just a bigger, much bigger challenge. Yes, for a bigger prize. Yes, mm. for a bigger opportunity. Um, and we see the same markers that we saw in London of working with lots of Michelin starred restaurants, mm. lots of the world's best bars, lots of, um, you know, the US's best retailers and most kind of luxury brands and partnerships and same, all the same markers, mm. um, which is brilliantly encouraging. Mm. Um, and yeah, we're, uh, we're excited to be here. What? One of, I think, the brand's biggest achievements has been taking something essentially not desirable, drinking non-alcohol in a, in a, let's say, in a social situation, and you've, and you've taken that and you've made it very desirable. What, for you, what's been at the heart of that, that ability to, 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 to achieve that kind of shift? There's a, a few things, I guess. One, we've we've not taken an existing alcoholic product and de-alcoholized it. Right. And what I mean by that is, I guess with, with alcohol-free beer and alcohol-free wine, um, they have removed something and then set you up with the expectation that it's gonna taste the same. And I, I kind of, to me personally, that just, it doesn't make sense. Um, because if you take the thing out of the thing, it can't be the thing, right? Yep. It just, it can't yeah. be. Um, you know, Tesla as a car is still a car, still got four wheels and, and it drives from A to B. But behind the seat, it's a very different experience and it's run on a very different system. We use the same equipment as alcoholic spirits, but we use it for a different reason in a different way. Um, but it still is a bottle, glass, you still serve it as a measure, you still make a drink with it. Um, and so it's just kind of, that's one aspect of, of what we've done is to go, hold a minute, let's rethink this. Why does it, why do, we don't have to use any of the same ingredients. It doesn't have to taste like anything else. But the ritual, the theatre, the outlets you'd find it in, when you drink it, uh, what you ask for, the language, the reference points can all be the same. So there's some familiarity there. I think the other thing is that that's helped us just kind of go, 
this can actually be a really positive choice. Uh, you know, as human beings, we're social creatures and we don't want to feel left out and we want to feel like we belong and we fit in. And it's a really easy way for someone to feel left out if they're not being looked after because, um, because they're not drinking for whatever reason. And so actually having something that feels good to order, feels nice in the hand, um, is made by a bartender or you've been able to make a drink at home um, that has its own, you know, unique flavor profiles um, that taste adult, that taste grown up and sophisticated and aren't just full of sugar and sweet and fruity. Um, they're all these little, I guess, um, subconscious psychological kind of building blocks that we're building into that are already there in people's psyche. You know, this is, this is all happening at a very subconscious level. Um, and I've spent a lot of time trying to, you know, think through every single element of the detail of the experience from holding it in hand to seeing it on shelf to how it's poured to how it looks. What I hope we've come out with is something that seems effortless and very simple, but you know, I, I'm, it, one of the pillars of how we do things at Seedlip is to make it simple and, and that's not keep it simple because things aren't simple. Um, that's actually really complex, but the, you know, making it simple is an action word and, and you have to do the work to make mm. it simple for to come the, out the, the other the side. The outcome you're looking for is simplicity. Exactly. But that, that takes a hell of a lot of work. And then just looking to the future, can you talk a little bit about future business plans or personal plans? Where, where does the Seedlip experience take you in the future? The next nine months, there is everything from new new Seedlip products launching to new brand launching to uh, some, you know, some an amazing initiative that we're doing in the middle of July to more world first stuff to new market launches and you know, partnerships with world's 50 best restaurants, world's 50 best bars, Chelsea flower show at the end of May. Um, and there's, and then building up on the farm, you know, and having this laboratory and this nursery, you know, and that's just the next nine months. Um, and so in thinking like, okay, well, what do the next three years look like? Um, I mean, I, I continually get it wrong. So I, you know, I thought we'd sell the first thousand bottles in five months, you know, um, and I'm continually, as long as I continue to feel and remain in a state of shock or, or about what we're doing and, and just being so kind of grateful for the opportunity and the response that we're getting, then I'm happy. I mean, there's loads of things that we could do that I want to do. It's just doing them at the right time for the right reason in the most effective way, um, whilst kind of staying focused on on the plan and the team and you know trying to change the way the world drinks. No, I, that, yeah. that thought goes through my mind as well, that in a way Seed Lips probably just the beginning. And, just getting started. And it, it feels in some ways that challenger brands live in a state of, perpetual state of discomfort 
And, and hearing you talk today, I, I have the impression that you're actually quite comfortable in your discomfort. <laughs> and that's what, that's what will, will kind of drive you forward. Ben, thank you for a great conversation today. And um, yeah, thank you to Blacktail for hosting us today. Great, great venue, thank you.